You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up to the minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. And this is a fun one. Uh, And it's a serious one all at the same time. But I'll tell you this. Imagine having to have your leg removed, right? It would be life-changing. But today's guest, you, you when I say his name, you'll know who he is. But having a positive outlook on it, right? And that that's kind of what I want people to take away from this episode is that even though bad things can happen to you in life, there is still like a silver lining to every cloud. And so what that means is that means it, it all really depends on your mindset. Are you going to let this drag you down into deep, dark despair, which it's acceptable to have a couple of those days, but in the long run, you got, there's a lot of life to live yet. And so, uh, today's guest is Travis Turner. You may know him as T-Bone from the, from the brotherhood, the, uh, the bone collectors. And I really like these these episodes because what it makes you realize is that there is much more to life than just deer hunting. Deer hunting is a fun thing to do. It, it has the ability to connect people. It has the ability to, um, uh, like, like can be life-saving. It can be a, it's just this, this really, it has the ability to be this really positive thing in life. And, and, one thing that you'll that you'll see or listen to in this episode is I really try to like step away from the deer hunting side of things and talk about life in general 
and there's but the connection is deer hunting there's always this connection to deer hunting and so i think you guys are going to really uh like this episode um as many of you know travis has had his uh has had some battles with cancer um which led to uh having to have a a leg amputated and you're going to listen uh to the whole story here on on this podcast but at the same time it's uh, it sounds to me like it slowed him down a little but it hasn't slowed him down a lot and he really is trying to stay positive he's trying to stay focused on on the goal and his goal is to pretty much just get back into a tractor and get back into a skid steer and start working on his property again and when you have something to really pull you out of a dark place like hunting it's uh, it's just a it's a great i don't know it's almost like an anchor you can pull back to a starting point. You can pull yourself out or, or like a rope or a ladder and you can pull yourself out of something and get back to it, right? And that happened to me back in the day when I was drinking really heavy and making really bad decisions. Hunting kind of saved my life. I had it to go back to and not necessarily save my life, but like pulled me out of a dark spot. And so that's why I really like this story. And uh, man, Travis is a hoot. Many of you know him. He, you know, he he jokes around, but he also is very serious uh, about this too. So, uh, just an awesome episode. I'm sure you guys are are. Uh, like I hope you guys enjoy this because a lot of people will look at Travis and go, "Well, he's a TV star, but he's also a person." Right. And and everybody has their own battles in life, like whether it's, uh, you know, a battle with children or a battle with your wife or a battle with your parents or a battle with uh, sickness and, and and things like that, that humbles us all. And that's when we all come relatable because we all have problems in life. And so um, I don't know. I just wanted to I wanted to pull back a couple of layers and get to know. Uh, you know, to talk about this thing that makes us all relatable. So I don't know what else to say about that. You'll just have to listen to the episode. I, I feel like this turned out great. So hopefully you guys do too. Make sure you share this with your friends, because I I think this is an episode where um, people even outside of the hunting community might enjoy this one as well. So there's that. All right. Before we get into today's episode, though, I, I gotta do I gotta transition hard into the commercials, right? So I'm just gonna do it real quick. If you're looking for a saddle, look no further than Tethered. Uh, these guys have had these guys have a, a great lineup of saddle saddle hunting accessories, climbing you know platforms, climbing sticks. So go check out Tethered. Uh, these guys are doing a really good job at what they do, and they have a lot of information that will help you become a better uh, saddle hunter. Wasp Broadheads, if you're looking for, in my opinion, one of the best broadheads on the market, you got to check out Wasp. Uh, just the design and the material they use are second to none, and uh, I am confident in them, uh, and I've, I've remained confident in them for several, several years. So go check out wasparchery.com. Discount code for 20% off nfc20 and then we have hunt stand dude like last night again up till midnight just scrubbing public land in south dakota and nebraska and just looking for access routes and looking for food sources and looking for water right and cover and all the things that are important to game and so uh, i am i'm just really focusing on scrubbing getting into the details Uh, their satellite image layer 
is crystal clear and you can get pretty detailed into uh, into uh, a drainage system or into a block of timber or a river system or whatever. So it has the ability for all those things plus a lot more. Go check out HuntStand.com and uh, if you're looking for a discount code, there's 20% off SN20 for 20% off and it's already really affordable so it's just a cherry on top. And lastly, Vortex Optics. If you're looking for the best company when it comes to the outdoors and optics look no further than vortex great product right i just got the viper hds in the mail i think they're the 10 by 42s they're going to be great for it's a well-rounded binocular for everything i've been messing around with the what is that the crossfire the uh, crossfire range finder those are going to be on my chest on my western hunts and on my whitetail hunts and uh, I, I'm confident in them to perform but when they break I know I have the VIP warranty if, if they break uh, and I, I run them over with my truck or I smash them or drop them I know I have the VIP warranty to fall back on and on top of that just the people that work for Vortex are amazing so their customer service is second to none Vortex Octa optics.com go check them out we're done with commercials so let's get into today's episode with travis t-bone turner three two one all right on the phone with me today mr travis turner travis how we doing man good man thank you so much for having me on i i uh appreciate your patience on getting things scheduled but i'm glad we're here live and in action there we go there we go now Let's see. We're knocking on September, right? And usually for me, that's when now I'm starting to get some cell cam picks. Now I'm starting to get, uh, you know, checking some trail cameras. I'm, I'm really digging into the properties that I hunt and I'm starting to get fired up, right? For, for the upcoming right. season. Where's T-Bone's fire level right now? Um, here locally, actually, uh, um, I've got a couple of properties here in Georgia, a couple of farms I got, and I got two good bucks that were trying to chest match nail down it's uh they, they seem to be vampires around here like you know just like so many uh states in the country but yeah. um yeah we're just just trying to get them trying to see where they're killable you know you don't yeah. want to go in there and pressure them too much but uh they seem to be pretty regular so we're just hoping they maintain that and hopefully we can get on one at the first part of the season if not we're going to have a good time chasing them all year long anyway heck yeah so when you say vampires are we you think uh they're just being nocturnal right now or are they they not on your property no 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 um i i, I guess for the most part uh you I, i'm actually getting some decent daylight pictures of of the the two bucks that i've you know kind of looking after yeah uh, right now but um it seems for the most part you know most of the pictures that you do get are uh, after dark and, or if they're daylight now, it's, it's just a matter of time. You know, if you, 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 you kind of worry about stubbing your toe and, uh, putting too much pressure on them, right. which will definitely make them go nocturnal. And, or we just know that hunting pressure in general from your neighbor's farms or what have you, uh, can definitely turn them into uh, nocturnal vampires. So that, 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 that was just an in general statement, gotcha. but right now they're looking, yeah, I, I'm thinking. I, I wish the G, Georgia DNR. I just go ahead and knock one out this week, and then <laughs> I'll say, "Look, I'm good, guys. I'm not going to shoot one come season." <laughs> there you go. There you go. I wish we. You know, um, the, when you say that, I've been milling around this idea in my head if I would do it or not because I love the rut just like everybody does, right? But that's right. 
I would love if, because I, I live here in Iowa, I would love if Iowa would open some kind of three-day, four-day velvet season, right? And and the tag would be your your Iowa tag. And if you shot it, then you're done for the year, right? If you shot yeah. it in this three-day, four-day window. But that's all it's open for. It's just for um, a velvet buck maybe once every five years or some, something crazy like that. But yeah. um, because, you know, I, I never used to be interested in shooting a velvet buck. But now, for some reason, the, the idea is creeping in on me. Yeah, um, I, I, I personally, I, I've, I've killed a couple in velvet. Uh, you know, Kentucky has a, a early season, so you're able to yeah. usually get one in velvet there. And then, you know, some of the, like Nebraska, Montana, Wyoming, some of the ones that open early. And then, you know, of course, South Carolina. And then Tennessee, you know, Tennessee's open today, actually. Yeah. Tennessee has got a three-day velvet season that opened today. And what um, I'm pretty good friends with the the head of the DNR for Georgia, and, and I think it's been talked about a little bit about doing that for Georgia, meaning I don't look forward to it or, 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 or you know, I don't mind if I don't kill a velvet buck. Um, the only reason the only reason I like it is, is because you know that you could take advantage of their summertime patterns. Like Absolutely. if you have a poor enough monster – it sure does help things out when they're still in bachelor groups and they're on a summertime feeding pattern. You may could get on him then. But the, the the biggest thing I would be in favor for it for any state is to just have a three day one buck only uh, season like that. You know, like the last two weeks of August. You know, throw yeah. it in there three days. There is it, I think it boosts revenue for the for the state as well as it kind of jump starts hunting season a little bit. You know, it gets people thinking a little bit earlier. You know, because yeah being in iowa you know you're kind of sitting back waiting for august uh, october 1st whereas you know if you had a, a three-day season like started right now it'd be like i'd be you'd be full bore in yep a full 30 days earlier yep so, absolutely, uh, absolutely. And, and that helps revenue and then that helps you know you know buy things within our industry and you know just makes our uh, uh ecosystem so to speak within the hunting industry i think it just makes it stronger so uh, yeah. I, that's why i would be in favor of it besides that you know each state has its limits what, what does it matter if you kill it in august or if you kill it in october uh, you know it, yeah. as far as the, the herd management i don't see where it's going to hurt anything so yeah i'd be in favor for it yeah yeah definitely uh you know a, a cool idea anyway i mean I, I think it would be cool dude just imagine the amount of velvet giants that would drop if iowa did that i mean oh it, my it, it would be ridiculous yes it would so yeah. All right. So um, I want to talk to you about um, what's what your plan is for the rest of the year. But for for me, there's a question that I that I have to ask you because it's not like you can go out and um, well. Here, let me just back up a, a second. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about the cancer? and the amputation of your leg that you've had uh, this year. And, and what I, um, what I want to do is not to make this a, a doom and gloom, feel sorry for Travis episode, but what I want to do is talk about the outcome of that and what's, what your life is going to be like moving forward. Yeah. I'm glad to talk about it. Actually. Um, last, just to bring everybody up to snuff or whatever, last September, end of September, 1st of October, I was diagnosed with mixofibrosarcoma in my right shin and uh, lower, you know, just below my knee area. 
It's a really fast, really aggressive type cancer, very rare type cancer, only about 12,000 cases uh, in the world a year. And um, uh, I happen to be lucky enough to get it. Um, it. It was, when I say growing, I haven't shared the pictures of it. I've, I've, I've thought about showing the pictures just so that people, for people knowledge, but it was pretty, pretty rough and gruesome. But I had from the end of July, it was the size of a grape. By the time we got to mid-October, I had three large portobello mushroom tumors on the outside of my leg, done busted through my skin. Um, and then you could feel knots underneath my, couldn't even wear jeans anymore. Yeah. The, they were oozing all the time. Really, really horrible. So, um, the, the, the game of action was, I was thinking like, let's get this cut off, you know, and then mm-hmm. the doctors say, you know, Hey, we want to go through chemo. Uh, we, the chemo is to make sure that it doesn't move to your vitals. And then we, you know, you, whether we amputate your leg, you know, October the 15th or whether we do it in February, it's not going to matter. We need to stop it from uh, taking over your, uh, you know, lungs and, and, you know, potentially something that's life-threatening. Yeah. And uh, so I went through a pretty aggressive and rough chemo all fall long. That's that's why I didn't get to hunt any. I I, 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 I killed a deer here. Uh, I got to, my last day of hunting last year was like October the 12th. I had already started chemo and um, I killed a pretty good buck here. My target buck, I got him here on my farm, but other after that, uh, I didn't hunt anymore. Yeah. But, um, it brings us all the way up to, uh, February. We, I did all my last, my last chemo. I did around the first week of January. We had to have a four to six week layoff. First part of February amputated my leg on February 7th and, uh, just been recovering since then. I had a nodule that was, that we, that we seen on my lung through CAT scan all fall along and everything. We just kept an eye on it and it wasn't growing, but uh, in order to do a biopsy on it, it's just as easy to remove it as it is to do a biopsy. So in April, once I recovered from my amputation, we went in there and removed about a credit card section of my lung in April uh, with the, the the little nodule that was in there. And uh, the, the chemo had taken care of it, but nonetheless, it was glad to get that out of the way and know that we don't have to worry about that on the horizon. So yeah. since then, since April, every CAT scan that I've had, uh, they don't ever like to say cancer free, but they, you know, there's no sign of cancer. I did have about three weeks ago. I had some uh, some uh, basal cell cancer removed. Had a lot, a big chunk of my ear and a, about a three inch uh, slash on my collarbone removed of skin cancer. And I was kind of, I was pretty excited about the ear part because I was like, now I got me some street cred. I either look like a fighter <laughs> or look like a Mike Tyson done got a hold of my ear. But, there you uh, go. But uh, yeah, to answer your question doing as good as can be waiting on my prosthetic leg i've had it done it's been i've went through several fittings throughout the spring but insurance is actually holding it up so my leg is yeah. done and i can't get to rehabbing on it until i get it but uh it's been held up for about six six weeks on insurance and um but that's where we are my arms are still working and yeah still still got a pretty good outlook i mean uh, i'm not gonna lie to you there's a few days uh, you know, here and there, you got the poopy lip, and you, yep. you you feel like, dang it! But uh, but for the most part, all's good. Uh, shooting my bow, I'll be able to hunt in some capacity. Uh, can't wait to get my prosthetic leg to where I can. My main focus is getting on my zero turn mower, uh, and I have a skid steer and a tractor. I want to be able to get back on those things, and yeah. that's my number one focus. And then, you know, I'll get to do some hunting. So, and then as far as hunting wise, I'll hunt here in Georgia. I did draw a Kansas tag. So hopefully I'll get to go to Kansas and um, uh, 
potentially do Oklahoma too, since we're right there at it. We usually bounce back and forth, and then yeah. I think we got a pretty pretty good place lined up in Texas. So, uh, with with this still being a rehab year, you know, I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse. But um, if I do those four and get to hunt, you know, pretty hard for you know a couple of bucks that I have here in Georgia. I will consider that a, a, a successful year. So uh, yeah, that's what's on the horizon, and hopefully we'll we'll get to do most of it. Right, right. All right. So I I do have a question. Right. So you're sitting yeah. you're you're sitting there, and you're having this conversation with the doctor, right? And yeah. the agreed upon outcome is the leg is going to be removed. Okay. Yeah. What what thoughts are running through your head at this point, where you're just like, okay, I'm down one leg. Like what, what kind of thought popped into your head or thoughts popped into your head once you found out that the leg had to go? Well, the doctors, the doctors, to be honest with you, they were more positive about it than me. Meaning like me, I was dragging these tumors around on my leg and and I was like, there is no way that I can go through a surgery and come out on the good on this and keep my leg. Yeah. And I was like, I know it's going to have to be amputated. So I was talking to the doc, and he said, I'm not saying, no, no we're not going to say that. You know, they, I guess yeah. they they don't want to just flat out tell you. But he's like, no, we're going we're gonna to see what, what goes on, you know, see how this chemo run goes, and we're, we're going to study it. I, I don't want to tell you, yes, this is exactly what we're going to do. This is not what we're going to do. So uh, with that with that said, I, I you know, I, I run running all – through all kinds of scenarios and stuff like that. And I didn't, I didn't share it all fall long. I didn't share it with anybody, just my immediate family. And then, you know, less than 20 people knew all the way up till a week before my amputation. Um, Just because we wanted to deal with it from a, from a private standpoint. And we didn't, we didn't really have a good path that we were going down or a diagnosis or exactly what was in, you know, in store for us. And things were a lot more clear come end of January. So I felt like, you know, Hey, they, Somebody's going to notice that T-Bone ain't got a leg. I better let somebody know about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I'd rather them hear it from me like I did on social media. I just let everybody know, and then there's all the information, and then you can, you know, you can see it, read it, hear it straight from the horse's mouth, and uh, nobody, you know, there's no great stories like T-Bone was on vacation in Bermuda and yeah. the shark pulled his leg off, you know, yeah, straight from the horse's mouth. So, but, but yeah, that – I kind of was building up to it all fall long, going through chemo and everything. It's like I figured I'd prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, it's, and and I really, it, it, I'm sorry to interrupt you. It put things in perspective with me, like I, what Ellen and I did a podcast, and I've said it over and over. But like, you know, I, I guess I've always been appreciative of my position and or humble. I hope it comes across that way, but like you know, you look at all the things you've done and, and, and I'm like my 20 year old me looking at my, you know, 50 year old me, I've way outlived my dreams. So, yeah. you know, like not that I'm writing off life. It's just like, man, I, I, I did get to have a good run and I did have done a lot of things that most folks would dream of. So I'm, I'm very appreciative. And I've, you know, I've, I've me and my wife have built a nice, nice little place here and, you know, a good place that we can, uh, retire to here and um you know and we're 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 comfortable i mean you know uh, hopefully joe biden don't screw us too much where we, <laughs> we will have to take care of ourselves but yeah um no i i'm i, I was appreciative i mean i autumn I, I tried to sum up my whole life and tried to you know not not 
get get mad and because there's a lot of people and this is what really helps me get through and or help get me through is no matter how bad I got it there's a lot of people got it a lot worse than me man amen yeah amen. so well yeah. I mean the I think the mental part of all of something like this right I mean I, I do the same thing where if I know I'm going to be tested in the upcoming future I always I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I always prepare for failure so yes. that so that when if failure does come, I know how to act. I know how to stay as calm as possible about it. And I'm not taken off guard, you know, or something like that. So and I'm not trying to compare what I have in my life going on with, you know, having to have a leg removed, but it's a thought process and it's mental toughness that makes a person really come out of a horrible situation like that with uh, a renewed faith in themselves. You know what I mean? And so I think you did it from a mental standpoint and just like perseverance and things like that, man, you just, you textbooked it. Well, I, I mean, I, I appreciate that and I, and I think I'm doing pretty good, mm -hmm. but you know, I, to, to, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to ever think that, you know, social media perception ain't always reality. Meaning right. I don't, what I'm saying by that is don't think that old T-Bone don't have his lip poked out a few days, you know, yeah. cause there has been, there has been some, some bad days, but, but overall I'm, I'm proud. I mean, I'd like, I'd like to think my, my mom, you know, she's, she's no longer with us, but I'd like to think she's proud and my, you know, my, my parents, my mentors and, you know, just, people in general, my, my wife, my son, I want to be an example to them. And, yep. you know, uh, what, what good am I, if I'm a, if I'm a wreck, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm, I, I, you, you, you gotta be able to handle it. So yeah, prepare for the worst and hope for the best and, you know, uh, be humbled by the, the blessings that you have and right. man, so much support. Golly. Uh, like after we, you know, let, let folks know just before my amputation, the outpouring of, just love and prayer and, and just the, the warm thoughts and stuff from everybody, you know, across the country was overwhelming. It, 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 it's not the reality check that you want, but it kind of lets you know, like, man, I, I've, I've, uh, I, I've done it pretty good. I guess I've, I've touched some people and I've got a lot of people on my side. It makes a, makes a man feel good. Amen. So uh, things like when things like this happen, um, people try to relate any way they can, right? They try to find someone to gravitate to. Um, I know that there's people within the hunting industry, some who of who you're probably close with have had their own health scares that they've had to work the, you know, work through, or maybe when, uh, when you made that announcement on, so online, maybe there was someone out there who went through something similar. Was there anybody or any group of people outside of your family that you were able to gravitate to and kind of go through the process not holding their hand, but saying like, dude, I've been, I've been through this before. Here's what to look forward to. Um, no, no, nobody that has been through, not, nobody stands out as like, this is exactly, but, um, there's, there's a lot of, um, I don't want to call them. I call them, let's say fallen heroes. Yeah. I don't want to say wounded warriors, but a lot of folks, uh, within our armed services reached out to me and, and let me know about support and yeah. talk about phantom pain, things that I was going to deal with. And that, 
you know, I, I always gravitated towards them. Even if I wasn't friends with them, it was maybe an anonymous somebody that told me that, like, hey, I lost my leg to an I, you know, an IED, you know, or, you know, I, I, I've, you know, I've been an amputee for 14 years and they tell me their story in an email or a post or a direct message. And I, I gathered inspiration from them. I'm like, I'm losing this from cancer late in my life. I've already had a fulfilling life and these guys are losing it in their early twenties fighting for our freedom. Yep. Well, I, I, you know, so that just, just knowing what they went through, you know, I know that I'm not, not alone. Uh, that, that helped me a lot. I know, uh, something similar, you know, uh, Jim Shockey's wife, she's going through cancer and or announced that she was going through cancer about the same time as I was too. So, you know, I felt for her, if you've ever met Miss Louise or, you know, you know, Jim and his wife, but she is just an absolute angel on earth. She is the sweetest woman ever. So, you know, that was, that was, that was horrible. So I was like, man, I, you know, uh, you know, felt bad for her. So that I gained some, some, uh, strength through her too, you know, cause she yeah. seems to be handling it really, really well. So, um, um, just, and just, just people's, you know, thoughts and prayers and, uh, you know, like, uh, I tell you someone who really has stood out with me is, uh, he checked in with me this morning, which we've been acquaintances. I'd like to say we're friends, but to say that we've hung out, you know, a couple times a year, every year, we just known each other through the industry, but as Dr. James Kroll. Yeah. Dr. Deer, he, yeah. that joker has checked in with me at least once or twice a week, every week. I mean, just to send a little something funny and, and I, I don't know why I just, um, I, I, there, I mean, there's been hundreds and thousands of people do that on a regular basis, check in with me. So, but I don't know why, I, I don't know. He, he, uh, I don't know just the things he says and it's just perfect timing. It's almost like, you know, when you're having a little a poopy face going on and it's like, bam, I get a text from him that, you know, made you smile or something. So I don't know why he came to mind because there's a, there's a hundred or thousand other people out there that's done a fantastic job and has been very supportive. But, uh, yeah, Dr. Kroll, um, he, he's been checking in on me, uh, pretty regular and it, it, we, we've become even closer over the last eight months or so. Yeah. That's awesome to have people like that. And it's, it, yeah. it gives humanity in this crazy world, a little bit of renewed faith, you know, that the world oh isn't God. just a dump, you know what I mean? There's, there's great people out there. I know. I know. I, I, it can really get frustrating. You got, you got to really have a good filter, uh, uh, internal head filter when you're looking at social media, look yeah. at it as entertainment, but you know, not necessarily where you get your news and stuff like that. Cause it will definitely take you down some rabbit holes if you're not careful. Amen. All right. So, uh, in 2005, all right, you're you're on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, right? It's 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 named that for a reason, right? I only I only mm-hmm. have nine fingers, so for right. for me, I got my uh, right index finger cut off in an industrial accident in 2005 when I was down working in um, Atlanta, Georgia, College Park, Georgia, right outside Atlanta. Yeah, and, that's less than an hour for me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I got my finger cut off, and one of the first things that popped into my head once this once that finger was gone i knew it was going to be gone it was never coming back was how am i going to shoot my bow or a gun without a trigger finger right yeah so my mind almost like hunting hunting and thinking about hunting and archery was my almost my therapy and so i quickly 
was trying to adapt to the, the my new life, which really wasn't, didn't, I mean, a right index finger, and I'm not trying to compare it to a leg by, by any means, but like I had to relearn how to tie my shoes. I had to relearn how to eat. I was dropping food off of my fork for, and, and, um, I couldn't use chopsticks and I was dropping glasses of water and, and, you know, I had to learn how to do everything now, especially with my release and pulling the trigger on a gun with my middle finger. And that took, that took some learning, but what it did was I was, while I was busy thinking about that, I wasn't thinking about the fact that I lost my finger. What's, what's your mindset like now coming out of this? I mean, are, are you motivated are you fired up to get out and start getting this, you know, get this leg, this uh, prosthetic on and, and start moving around again? Um, I'll, well, I'll back up. So once I lost my leg, I, you had, once you, I was in the hospital for like eight or nine days, yeah. just, just dealing with the surgery of losing your leg. And then, then you go straight to a 10 day rehab because they want, they teach you how to, you, you know, just to do the day-to-day necessities, you know, because you've lost your leg and yep. you, you, you just got to learn how to get up out of the bed and safe ways to do things. And, you know, showing you how to, you know, do mobility uh, things to, to help yourself. So I came out of the, you know, I had three months to lead up to that. meaning like, I'm going to handle this like a champ. Yeah. You know, I, you know, even though I'm a big guy, I should be able to hop up a step or two if I need to. Um, you know, I just assumed that I would be able to do that. And, uh, you know, I, that, I thought that was a positive outlook, but maybe, maybe, um, I, I just assumed that I was going to adapt a little easier than what, it, what I did. So when I lost my leg, um, I, I went to that rehab and I, I had that, that Rocky Balboa mentality. I'm fixing to show them that, you know, most of the people in there that have had, that was in the rehab were really a lot older than me. I was definitely like one of the youngest ones in there. And, uh, me being in there, I was like going at it hard, you know, with the walker and doing all the exercises and all the movements and stuff. And I was going at it pretty hard. And after a day or so, they said, listen, we appreciate your enthusiasm and your positiveness and your, your, your grit and everything like that. They said, but you have got to slow down, you know, and they put it in my head, said, you, you are going, going at it really hard. We appreciate that, but you've got to you've got to save what you have, meaning like you can't blow a shoulder out. You can't blow an elbow out. You can't hurt the leg that you have. Cause if you, if you hurt those, then your, your mobility is zero. Right. You know, so I can't, I can't get on a walker or crutches if one of my arms or my leg, I mean, one of my shoulders or elbows are out and they said, you can't fall. You're a major fall risk. Now, I'll, you know, I'm thinking like, Oh man, I've, I've fallen before. And even though I'm a big guy, I get back up, you know? So I said, no, it's not that way. You know, you fall on your stump. It's going to take a long time for that stump to heal. You can't fall on that stump. You got to really preserve yourself. Well, naturally, it took a few times me falling. I, I fell a few times. And uh, I mean, that really, I ate some humble pie there. I, I fell one time and it took forever to get back up. I just thought that I would be able to maneuver, get back up. And I, I couldn't get back up really easy. So uh, this, this was early on. So I ate some humble pie there. So then I immediately went into save mode yeah. and I would still do things. But even, even now, eight months out, I'm like, you know, I got to methodically think of every, every move that I do, you know, going to the bathroom or, you know, transferring from the bed to a chair and, you know, getting out of my truck. I, I am driving now. I got hand controls because it was my right leg. I lost. Nice. So I, I have to drive with hand controls. 
And believe it or not, that's a side story. I thought I was going to spend a couple thousand dollars getting my truck rigged up for that, and that's the only vehicle I'd be able to drive. But I got to looking online, and they got hand controls. I bought them from Walmart.com for $199. <laughs> well, there's a there's a plus, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, and and I can take them off in five minutes and transfer them to any vehicle. So that that was a plus. Oh, awesome. So. Uh, yeah, so, you know, just getting in and out of my truck and, and you know, transferring, you know, jumping onto my four-wheeler, you know, I got to I gotta be concerned about uh, falling. So that that was, a, that was a, a major learning curve, and it still is, you know, now, you know, thinking about I can't just go into any restroom. I got to have a certain type of restroom, and, you know, if things take a little longer, you know, like, you know, sometimes if that – that uh, number two hits you like you need to drop a deuce, you know, you need to plan a little extra time. <laughs> you, can't, you can't, you can't really just hurry up and go do it. So you yeah. got to, you got to plan all that out. So I'm still going to be learning on that, but um, yeah, that, that really slowed me down a lot is, is thinking on that. And then now I see, I was like, my number one focus was don't get me wrong. Everybody's like, you'll be hunting again. You'll be hunting again. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I feel like I will. I don't think that is as big of a hurdle as like to me, I just love everything to do about land management. I've really gotten into like, I got a skid steer and a lot of attachments and stuff. And honestly, of all the things you asked me, like, what do you want to do? Do you want to, you know, go to Jamaica for a weekend? Do you want to do this? You want to do this? I just love being on my skid steer, polishing my properties, whether it's do, I just love, I mean, that is my, that, I mean, even above, you know, luckily shooting a bow and hunting has been my life and career for so many years. So my getaway was skid steer, zero turn tractor. That's, that is my love, my passion. And, um, and, and I can't do those three things now. So that was my main goal is trying to get on them. And, and I, there's not a day goes by that I don't think of how I'm going to be able to get back in there. And I know that the way to do that is the prosthetic leg. So, um, you know, if, if worst case scenario, I'm in a wheelchair and a walker most all my life, but the prosthetic leg is going to be the connection of my hopes of ever getting back on those things and, or, you know, potentially hunting out of like an elevated ground blind or a, you know, maybe a ladder stand, maybe in the future, something like that. I, yeah. I'm going to, have to, I got to have a leg. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Me. I mean, just, just listening to you talk the, the future for you I mean, going back to the rehab, when you said you went in with that Rocky Balboa mentality, obviously um, the brain was ahead of the body at that point, yeah. right? And so yeah. just with, with that kind of attitude, I mean, it, it's no doubt. If I was a betting man, I would put money that, you know, Travis is in a tree stand again and he's in a ground blind and he's walking through the timber again just because, I don't know, just listening to you talk about, you know, how you want to go. You're going to be in that skid steer again and, and on that zero turn and, and making that property pretty. It's just, it's there. It's just, it's the time, right? That you, yeah. you, you almost wish you could fast forward just a little bit. That's right. Yeah. And I, another, you know, and I haven't, I haven't talked about it, but um, another hurdle, you know, again, I don't want, I, I'm, I'm just, you, one, I'm big. So yeah. that, that, you know, I need to lose weight. So that's one thing that I've, I, I need to do if, uh, that needs to happen regardless if I had a leg or not. So, and the lighter I am and the stronger I am, it's going to make my mobility easier. But my, with my left leg also, when I was younger, when I was like 11 or 12, I cut my last three toes off in a motorcycle accident. 
so my pinky toe, my, you know, my last three toes, they all got cut off and they sewed them back on. But, you know, like standing on my one leg, I don't have the balance, you know, yeah. that, you, that, that normal person, cause I have no strength. So I, I, it's basically like I'm on a peg on my left leg cause I'd cut those three toes off. They sewed them back on. They, it looks like a foot, but it's got a horrific scar, but they don't actually work. So I've always had problems from, uh, you know, like side healing and, you know, uh, walking whenever we've been doing mule deer or elk hunts and stuff like that. I've had some issues as, you know, as far as that goes, but I mean, I could still walk. I'm, you know, like I say, I'm not asking for sympathy. It's just, yeah. it is what it is. I can't, I, I don't have the, the best balance in the world. And, um, you know, you, you, you factor on, I got, you know, um, 150 pounds extra on top of that. And that's, that's not a good recipe for a, a positive rehab. So yeah, I need to, I need to lose weight regardless, but, um, the, the, that's what we're up against. But I, again, I'm not complaining. Yep. Hey, you know, if, if it, if it came down and God said, look, man, you're going to be in a wheelchair about 90% of the time, you know, I, I, I can adapt to that. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I would like to be able to get to get back to doing, you know, life's not going to be the, I got to adapt to the new normal, Yeah. but uh, there are a few things that I have got on the horizon that I want to definitely get done. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you got a, a, a check, a, a list, a check, you know, a checklist in front of you that you have to, that you want to check off, yes. not that you have to, but it sounds like you want to do it. And, you know, the difference between wanting to do something and having to do something, um, there's a motivational difference there. Right. And so it sounds okay. to me like, uh, you have, you have the motivation and I think, you know, that's, that's the best thing is to have the positive outlook and the, um, and the, the motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and the great support system is, is, as well. So, yep. Just take one day at a time, you know, cause you know, there could be a, there's another hurdle right down around the corner that we're, you know, ready for and yep. that you got to be prepared for. And it could happen to any of us. I mean, we, we see it all the time and it seems like the older we get, the the more obvious that something is going to happen. So, yeah. Yep. Okay. So we talked about that, right? Yes. And so, you have a thing. You have a, a list of stuff that you that you need to accomplish uh, in order to get back out into the woods. Um, and, and it sounds like some of those uh, things are in your hands, and some of the, those things are outside of your control, right? And so, right. and so, you have this this stuff you got to take uh, you got to take care of. Now, knowing this, knowing all these things, um, that it's obviously changed the the hunting path that you're on but when it comes to the future now where where's your head i mean is is there a does does travis have a a bucket list that he needs to accomplish or he wants to accomplish um like i don't know like for me i want to kill a caribou so freaking bad that i can taste it right yes what what's your bucket look uh, bucket list look like now um honestly i i mean i am and i'm being brutally honest like i meant that when i said that i have already outlived my dreams however if you're you're selfishly asking me yeah like if i don't it, it as far as like if i was to die tomorrow i would feel like my life was fulfilled um i, I i've already I've already, you know, kill. If I don't kill another cockroach the rest of my life, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I am fine. Meaning, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that I don't want to hunt anymore. I love the hunting experience. I love the, 
the hunting atmosphere and I, and I will always hunt, you know, as long as I'm capable of hunting. But as far as like, man, this is what I like to have about the, but, and I'm okay if I don't get it, but the only, only one is a Yukon moose with my bow. Yeah. I would, I would love to shoot a Yukon moose with my bow and that's the, you know, outside my head, selfish, everything aligned, but I've done, I've done accepted the fact that if, you know, and, and I felt this way a couple of years ago, you know, before any cancer news or whatever, I'm like, man, this is, I, I, so many folks have bucket lists and that's great to have those goals and stuff like that. But I've, I've, I've got to the point in life where I love, I love hunting, but I love the fellowship with my friends. And this is whether there's a camera involved or not a camera involved or whether we have a show or not to have a show. But like last night, for instance, had a, I had a group of about 12 or 15 of my close local buddies Nobody in the industry, just plumbers, real estate agents, friends of mine that I've known here where I live. They came over to the house. We bought some wings, pizza, ate it on a tailgate, and we had I had 3D targets set up through the woods. We had the best time. Those kind of things leading up to hunting season and the, hey, we're preparing the dove field or, or the land management things, that is my bread and butter. That's something I can hang my hat on and do something towards every day, meaning like I want to be able to – you know, I know I sound like a broken record, but I mean, I don't think folks know how how strongly I want to get back in a uh, skid steer. Yeah. So I, I love it that much. So uh, I, I I'd wanted one for years and I finally bought one about six years ago and it was the best money. I mean, a lot of people buy bass boats and I'm and they're priced close to about the same. <laughs> I, I, I chose to buy a skid steer yeah. so um, I can justify it. So honestly that's my that's yukon moose would be you know just because i'm a i don't know self-proclaimed archery guru and i love all the biology of death that goes in with the archery and slinging an arrow um i just would like to see the concoction i built the era i built the projectile i built sync up right in the boiler room of a yukon moose that to me is the picture perfect that that would be yeah you know uh I hate to say nail on the coffin, but let's put, let's say icing on the cake. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's a little bit better way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I'm in the same boat, right? I mean, that's how I, that's how I feel about, uh, uh, a Yukon moose now, or excuse me, a uh, uh, caribou. Now I just gotta, yeah. gotta play in that hunt. Right. So now right. that's the future. Okay. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about the past. Um, you, you mentioned fellowship, right? Yes. You're, you're in this, you're in this group of guys in the bone collector with Nick and Michael and, and talk to, talk to, and, and so it's the brotherhood, right? Yes. The, the brotherhood of bone collector. Are these guys actually like your brothers? I mean, are, are they, are they that close or is this a, a, a television brotherhood made for tv movies yeah yeah <laughs> not no they they actually are it, it's how we came together you know if if folks don't know um we all got our start through realtree um we're all about the same age we got similar personalities we none of us had two nickels to rub together growing up and we were just had opportunities within the outdoor industry to work together and we met through Realtree and we shared a few camps together and you know uh, Michael and the guys at Realtree started coming to my store that when I used to own a retail store they came to the store and we'd hang out and have good times and we just got along just like 
you know, giving each other fits, ribbing each other, poking fun, practical jokes. And, uh, you know, Michael is, is, uh, to give him credit, he's kind of a visionary or so creative as far as, you know, he's like the Simon Cowell of the hunting industry, kind of, he just kind of sees what's going to work or he, he has the, I, I think we all do a little bit, but just kind of has, he's in tune with the Billy Joe lunch bucket, the blue collar guy, the everyday, you know, I hope that when people watch our show, they're, they see themselves and, or they're like, I'm watching it's just like I'm in my hunting camp with my buddies or they see that's, that's the type of hunting experience I'd like to have. And I'd like to share camp with them. Meaning, you know, no matter who kills the critter, everybody that's involved is happy for it. There's no jealousy, no chest pounding, no egos to, to answer your question. Yes, we're, we are like brothers. Meaning like if there's nobody that's going to make fun of each other more than, than we do about each other, but somebody outside the group, attacks one of us and they're going to have all three of us on them because it's like look within the brotherhood we can poke fun at each other if you're not in the brotherhood and you poke fun you you, you're about to answer to all of us yeah so uh, yeah we are brothers i mean we we got each other's back you know in our personal lives if something goes wrong we're we you know we constantly have a group text um you know we're we're saying something or sharing something every single day and uh you know if we're dealing with something we can open up and uh, you know, share all of our, you know, problems that we may be having at home or stuff that we're going through. So yeah, we're, we're really close. I, I do consider them my, the not blood brothers, but definitely brothers for yeah, life. For sure. All right. So, so outside of, you know, those guys, um, has, has there been anybody else, whether that's in the industry or outside of the industry who has left, um, uh, a big impact on your life. And I'll, I'll just provide an example. Like my grandparents on both sides of my family, uh, watching them live and work and run a farm with nothing, basically, you know what I mean? And, And seeing that work ethic every single day pay off and just how good of people they were that left a huge impact on my life. Did do yeah. you have anybody in or outside the industry that left a huge impact on your life? Oh yeah. I think, I think we have so many chapters within our life and there's so many people. I mean, it'd be hard to single out this one. I mean, there's, there's probably, I know there's dozens, maybe even hundreds of people that have done that, but you know, within, within my career, that have impacted me is like, I can think back, uh, a, a guy named Ted Cotton. Um, he, he and I shot tournaments. We, um, uh, he, he was a local guy and he was, he was pretty good at shooting tournaments when I first started getting into this. And he's, he's probably 11 or 12 years older than me, but he took me under his wing and he taught me everything uh, or a lot about working on a bow or just, you know, gave me the confidence to go try and working on a bow. And cause I just couldn't get enough of archery. Jesse Moorhead, um, Jesse Moorhead, both of them are accomplished tournament archers from back in the 90s. And Jesse Moorhead, and he invented the pendulum sight way back in the 80s, which yep. is a tree stand sight. Yep. Uh, you know, you can be old to remember that, but it, it judged the range for you. Long before any laser rangefinder, this tree stand sight, it pendulum for you. And, uh, you know, you, you didn't have to judge the yardage at all. All you did was from 0 to 35, you just put this little pendulum right on the, the critter and you got him. So, um, uh, those two had a, a big, uh, Claude Thompson, Susan Thompson. They were archers. My mom and my dad, my uncle JD, 
my uncle JD kind of, you know, he, he would come hang out with my dad and we'd go visit him up in Kentucky and we just did everything outdoors. My grand, my grandfather died when I was only seven. So I didn't have a lot of time with him, but my uncle JD kind of filled that void as far as, you know, like a grandpa kind of status, but you know, taking me out, we'd go ginseng hunting. We, we would, uh, you know, hunt, hunting squirrels and deer hunting a little bit, but fishing, just anything having to do with outdoors. He'd teach me everything, how to build a tooth, toothbrush with an old hickory stick. You know, you, you flare the end and polish your teeth while you <laughs> in the woods. And yeah, so, so that man, they had a, a, a big, um, you know, and then people that they don't even know it, like my, my idol or, you know, I guess my archery, idol or icon i looked up to and competed against and with was uh randy omer i kind of formulated my thinking of executing a shot and you know dragging myself through a target panic when i had that when i shot competitively so much i just looked up to him and long before social media i would buy every videotape or article that he would write and then you know i would pick his brain like nobody's business um whenever whenever uh you know we, we were together shooting at tournaments and stuff like that so uh yeah he was a huge influence yeah and it's crazy when you say that because i've interviewed lots of people um and maybe not even interviewed uh but have talked with and that's one name that you can tell a lot by a person based off of how many times their name is brought up in conversation, not just yeah. with one person, but with a lot of person and Randy Ulmer's name seems to pop up a lot. Whenever I, I talk to people, uh, specifically people who are really passionate about not necessarily bow hunting, but archery in general. And, and his name tends to pop up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was real relevant in the nineties and early two thousands. And even now you see a couple of pictures every year as he's, even though he's getting older, he's still, you know, I think he's retired within his, uh, um, business and, you know, he's, he's, he's pretty good. His kids are raised and his kids are, you know, good hunters as well. Levi and, um, I forget his other ch child's name, but, uh, but they, they, uh, they're good hunters and he still, you know, you, you ain't heard much about him. And then all of a sudden you see a couple of pictures of just giant mule deer or elk that he's killed. So yeah, yeah. he's after him still hard, but he's just always handled himself real well. And, uh, just been a, a, a really, a an accomplished archer bow hunter and, you know, handled himself real well and just was a force to reckon with in, in the tournament scene throughout the nineties as well. So, yeah. um, yeah. And, but there's so many, I mean, all the guys I shot against in the pro class and, you know, growing up throughout the late 80s and all through the 90s and early 2000s. And Bill Jordan, you know, uh, David Blanton, David Blanton, the, you know, th those guys have, you know, always been so generous and, and just so helpful as far as, you know, with, within the industry. And, uh, you know, Michael, even though he's, I, you know, I look up to him and appreciate all the, you know, the opportunities he's given me and the the, the way we've structured Bone Collector and, the, and how it is to, to, you know, provide a career and fam, you know, provide for our families, me and Nick and everybody that works at bone collector. Uh, you know, I'm appreciative of that. And, you know, I'm, I'm extremely loyal to those, those people too, because I don't yeah. take that for granted because otherwise I'd be, you know, still have a little old shop, which is, which is great. I, when I got into the industry, I'd still be working in my shop, fletching people's errors and, you know, helping people maintain their dreams or destinations. You know, I thought, man, I've, I've made it, this is it. And then all of a sudden, Realtree and Bone Collector and, you know, working with Jeff Foxworthy happened and, 
man, I, it, it kind of opened up a lot of doors and, you know, catapulted me, you know, way, way beyond what my dreams could be. So, uh, gosh, I, you know, I, I wish I could give you a, a clear cut answer, but there's yeah. just so many people. Yeah. Well, that's good. One, one person that has not affected my life positively is Joe Biden. <laughs> His name comes up, but on the other side of the spectrum, yeah, right? Exactly. The opposite you, of Randy Olmer. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have a touch of doom and gloom on this podcast. Right, right. Now we're talking. <laughs> right. And this is why you should vote. <laughs> so Absolutely. Um, so we talked about the people right uh in, in your past who have left an impact let's talk about the moments now right um there okay. are specific moments in my life or even in the hunting career and, and you can mention what you want and um here's i'm gonna i'm gonna give you real two real quick examples one was in 2016 uh, and this is my hunting example I had a I had an aha moment when it uh, came to hunting deer, and how deer use terrain, and how deer, um, like uh, just observing deer movement in the wild, and and just kind of having an aha moment, and it clicked for me. And I've been, knock on wood, I've found success every year since 2016. I haven't eaten you know eaten a tag since. So that's on the hunting side of things. Yeah. On on the non-hunting side of things. Uh, an impact would be the birth of my daughter. And the reason that that one carries a lot of weight is because I wasn't, I, I wasn't, it, it changed everything about me. The, the yeah. second I saw her being born. Yep. Right. And so it, I, I went through a stage where I was the, like, dude, I was a drinker and I was uh kind of, a party animal and I was putting other, I was putting myself before other people. And then my daughter was born and I looked at her and I'm like, I am changing because I want to be better for her type of scenario. So are there any moments hunting related life related that have huge impacts on, on who you are? Ah. Oh. Man, I, I got to give you credit, man. You're asking some really good questions, and and I I, I want to give good, honest answers. Yeah. Um, um, hunting wise, it seems like we're always evolving on that. You know, you yeah. had a couple a couple of deer. You know, like when I drew my first Iowa tag, uh, I was reflecting on this just the other day. But like, uh, like all my, my like one chapter or one goal or one one aha moment it's just like a realization well the first thing let's go back to this is me conquering or coming through target panic if you've shot archery yeah. very long target panic is is uh you know i've always I, i've always played sports in high school i never was that good but i played sports in high school um but but with that said um like i got target panic. I, I was lucky enough to win the world championships in 1991 well the next year um and and when i was I was a puncher, meaning like I'd punch the trigger, I'd punch the trigger, you know, and that's, you know, so many people do it. I mean, a lot of people do it. And it's not a problem as long as you have no anticipation in your hand. But punching the trigger is going to get you eventually because you're going to have flinches and you're going to move and you're going to end up with target panic. You can't put the pin on the target. That's a whole nother podcast. But yeah. nonetheless, target panic is a real deal with archery and bow hunting. So I developed that the year after I'd won the world championships. I won the world championships punching the trigger. You know, timing was right. Yep. 
nobody's going to be accurate, more accurate than a guy who punches the trigger and his timing's on and he has no anticipation. It's the most accurate way to shoot. However, it will bite you in the butt eventually. And it did. It, I started getting the flinches. I started holding low. I started couldn't peek, hold it on the target. And then what added to that, it was the year after. Like I was looked upon as the guy to beat because here's the world champion. You know, he's he's the guy that won the world championship last year. And, and you know, more eyes was on me. I was noted more. And so that added, I was I felt the pressure to perform. And, you know, as I'm each year, I'm learning a little bit more behind the scenes. So I went through target panic you know, dang near cried a couple of times on targets and tournaments and stuff uh, throughout the 92 and early 93 season. So in 93, I, I was wounding deer from it uh, during the fall. I stopped hunting like November 1st. I said, man, I'm not going through this no more. I got to fix this. I love archery this much. I've got to fix it. So I started, you know, Jesse Moorhead, Ted Cotton and reading Omer and all that stuff. I started emulating and, and, and going through just like what Omer does with a Stanislavski hinge style release, no trigger whatsoever. I got four or five of them. I put them in a in a uh, um, a pouch like a like a climber's pouch on my side. I just reach in there and I'd pull one out, not knowing how it was set. Every release was set differently, so I'd grab it and I'd have to just squeeze. And they actually called the Stanislavski a Polish time bomb because of the name Stanislavski. <laughs> <laughs> So the release, you know, the hinge releases are real, uh, real popular these days. But back then, there was only one made, which was made by Stanislavski. And I'm sitting there pushing, pulling, pushing, pulling, and I didn't shoot past five yards from November first. I'd shoot 60 arrows every day. I'd, I'd leave work, go to my dad's house. I had a little makeshift shop in his basement, and I'd fire 60 shots. Whether I got off at work at nine o'clock, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, I made it a point to go do that all the way up till February. February is the first tournament, the tournament that comes up. And I'm like almost scared. Like a day or two before I've set my pins, make sure I shoot it out to 40. But for literally two and a half months, all I did was shot at five yards, execution, just execution, execution. Set my sights a couple of days before the tournament. And I went out and I, I mean, I blistered, shot better than I ever have before in my life. And, uh, you know, those who go through target panic don't don't ever it's like it's almost like an alcoholic meaning like you you are you know you you you're always an alcoholic you're just you're, you're just dealing with it real well you know you're yeah you go through the 12-step program or you Yeah, so so uh, did, did, you know, target panic is a lot like uh, like an alcoholic. I mean, it's always there, but um, you know, talking about a a moment that I'm proud of of conquering that was a, a one that um, you know I thought was going to be career changing and or I, I guess it was still a hobby at that point in time. But but you know, had I not conquered the the target panic, I wouldn't have you know I might even get you know a lot of people give up archery and give up bow hunting and such because of it it's just so frustrating it's a mind over matter thing but because I you know overcome that I'm pretty proud of myself for the discipline uh, that I that I had yeah. uh, with that and was a we able to conquer the the and become you know move on down the line and uh I guess I've done talk so long about that I forgot, I forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> no that's that's great cuz from a yeah. from a professional standpoint 
right? It, it's very important from a, yes. a hobby standpoint. It's very important career, you know, as far as uh, um, be, trying to be a professional archer, you have to be in control to be, yeah. you know, to be, to win. So um, now from, from a hunting standpoint, right? Are there yeah. any, are there any moments whether let's just say in a tree stand or any particular hunts or, or places that you've hunted that had a huge impact on you? Yeah, there, there's a lot of those as well. You know, own, you know, just to touch on a few, like owning my, you know, finally buying my own farm. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd bought the land that I live on here. I bought the small piece in 1999 and that, you know, just to, just to own a piece of land was uh, just huge. I, I couldn't afford to build a house. So, uh, me and my wife, we lived in a single wide mobile home. We had 27 acres is all we bought, but that's all we could afford at the time. And, uh, you know, like, you know how us guys are, we'd have, we'd rather have acreage as square footage any day. So, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with that said, um, I, you know, I was happy about that. And then, you know, that graduated every land, uh, you know, every land purchase. I've never regretted a land purchase period ever. It's always just been a positive experience and or profitable experience as well. So, Having land in Kansas, killing my largest buck with a bow uh, in Kansas on my own farm—that was that was a pretty that just another year or so ago. But uh, uh, another moment was I just had sold my—I st- didn't know where my life was going. Actually, it was in 2006. I'd sold my—I was doing a few things for Realtree and you know had a relationship with them and really really enjoyed that. And you know my 15 minutes of fame of being on Monster Bucks and you know doing a few hunts with them. I, I was. I mean, like I was at the pinnacle, I was content with that. And then Michael, uh, you know, formulated bone collector asked us to be a part of that. But in 2006, I sold my business. I, uh, I sold my business and I, and for two years to transfer the clientele, I had to work for the, the guy that bought my store out. He moved everything to his store. He already had a store, uh, a huge gun store, but he didn't do archery. And he, he took my stuff to go with that. So, uh, th- that trans, that transferred over. I had to work two years for that. So I'm coming to the end of the two years and I'm sure that I could have stayed on or, or would have stayed on, uh, even longer had there not been another career path. But in 2008, we started bone collector. Michael asked me to be a part of that. So I knew that that was coming up. And, uh, also, um, I drew an Iowa tag. I, I waited four years, regardless if there was any bone collector in 2008, I was going to Iowa. I was going to go hunt Iowa. And my whole goal up to that point, I'd never have killed a, a buck that scored 150 inches i wanted to kill like my bucket list at that time was 150 inch uh midwest whitetail you know and i tried in illinois a few times and i said i was where it's going to happen had become good friends with you know lee and tiffany and and uh you know i'd went up there and helped them with uh you know food plots and such and i finally drew an iowa tag and then whitetail properties gave us a piece of property um not just to, to nobody collector it's our first year out i mean we, we nick had a toyota forerunner that barely ran and i flew into iowa i met him there and he had a little rabbit trailer behind it we had stands on it we put out our trail cameras long before cell phone cameras and we we did everything diy on this piece of property uh i rattled this buck in snort wheezed him in um and, 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 you know, everything that you're checking off uh, your bucket list as far as like the ultimate whitetail hunt, you know, like how it goes down. Don't get me wrong. 
shooting one over corn in Texas is great. You know, any way you can kill a whitetail is great. But like, if you're going to add to the pride factor, yeah. you know, this DIY, not an outfitter, we did all the scouting and you know, we were staying in a, just a farmhouse shack. I, I think the guy rented it to us for $35 for the whole week. I mean, <laughs> it was a rough house, but man, it, that's what made the hunt, you know? And so, and we, and I got my biggest buck to date, you know, at that time it was 161 inch, um, you know, 11 pointer and, and the way it went down and it being the first year with bone collector and, and, uh, you know, just to, just to do all that, you know, it's like, man, this was a major chapter in my lifelong dreams that I could check it off. And me and Nick were, we were teared up crying in the stand, you know, like, oh man, this <laughs> you know, we didn't, I didn't know where life was going to go. Right. I thought, you know, this, this show may last. we don't know how this show's going to do. We, we, we ain't even aired the show yet. We were just gathering footage and I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm, I may be, you know, uh, dipping septic tanks this time next year. I have no idea what's fixing to happen. So, you know, that was the start or a pinnacle start. And I just remember that being so memorable. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, I tell you what, there's some change. There's, there is some hunts that I can remember that, uh, really had a huge impact on my life. And, and one of them was, um, you know, I, I had, and this is, this is the very, quick version it was like a country song right it was i lost my house i lost my girl i lost my dog you know like like that and so i was in a very i was in a very low place in my life and around 2006 uh, i also you know in 2005 i lost my finger i was a little yeah. bit down because of that uh lost my girlfriend at the time lost you know my ha i got fired from my job or um, they laid off a department or whatever and uh and then i lost that meant hey man i can't afford to buy, have this house anymore so i lost my house and i like i had to move back in with my parents i was like 30 something 28 years old or something like that and I, f I felt like a bum but then i went out hunting one day and it was the perfect weather it was perfect out and it, and it i just had this awakening in the tree stand i was like i want to do this the rest of my life as much as i possibly can and it made yes. me start it made me really rethink my life and put down a lot of bad habits that I had up until then. And, um, so it's things like that, that hunting has given me that has really been such a positive impact on my life. And, and that's why I love to preach all the positivity, um, that hunting brought me and hopefully it can bring other people. So, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to these moments right you, you got this this iowa moment and it was a goal of yours and you accomplished it the career has been a success you know uh for you the target panic has there been any moments like personal moments that maybe weren't captured on uh on camera where it just made you say dude my life is good um again that's that's I, I, I mean, I, I guess just, uh, I kind of touched on it just like being able to buy another, you know, a piece of land yeah. and being able to manage those pieces of land each time it gets a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger, uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, uh, you know, the, 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 the need or, or you're scratching that itch or I guess, I guess you just feel yeah. like you're trending in the right direction. Right. So, to speak. so those kind of things, it's like, man, this work, does it get any better than this? And it's like, you just keep up with the same things. 
uh, I, I wished I, I, I have all these things to be grateful about. I guess I, I should equate some of that into losing some weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, man, I lost 10 pounds, man, that felt so good. I should lose 10 more. I mean, it, it, it seems like an easy recipe. It's like, that's the one thing I really need to, all the great things that's happened in my life. I need to equate that to, and, and we, we may talk about this in two years from now and yeah. say, you know what, man, I was talking to you on the, on the podcast, Dan, and that was a life-changing moment, man. I lost, you know, 140 <laughs> pounds just after I talked to you. So hopefully that'll kickstart me. But uh, hunting-wise, um, you know, that was one moment. But here recently, something that, you know, I, I'd like to share is like, you know, you're always, it's the chess match of trying to find, you know, find the deer, hunt the deer, just being a part of it. It's just in our natural DNA, yep. you know, to hunt. And whether you're hunting a biscuit in the morning, whether you're hunting a cup of coffee or, you know, you're trying to, you know, it's just in our, you know, just like a, a kitten knows how to, you know, jump after a moth and, you know, be yep. stealthy jumping a moth. It's just in our DNA. So um, something that we figured out or, or, you know, you never figure it out because it's not easy. It's always hunting, but it's it's got to where, you know, from the land management standpoint, we always plant food plots and you always have these tactics. And most people are like, you know, they only invest from, say, August to, you know, January, they're on their hunting and the rest is doing something else where, you know, with trail cameras and food plots and it's got to be 12 months out of the year. And a, and a slogan that me and my buddy Brian, that we manage these our properties together, is we, we, we've we we've done it. And I think Lee Lukoski would attest to this too. He's done the same thing. It's we're training these deer to die. Yeah. Meaning like farming for deer rather than just going out like what we did 20 years ago or like my uncle and my dad would teach me. You know, you got to go find signs, son, and you got to jack up in a tree. And I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, uh, can't maybe do this because they don't have time. But, you know, investing in it, like to the standpoint of we have trough feeders, we make sure that we keep the pressure low. You're, you're, you know, putting out these certain scrapes and licking branches and and these deer grow up. You know, don't look at like I'm going to get him in two months. Look at it like this fawn that's a button buck or he's a four pointer right now. In five years, I have conditioned him and trained him to die in the, I've raised this deer through through patterns, through non-pressure, through feed, you know, supplemental feeding, through food plots. I have patterned him to where he is killable now that he has reached maturity. Yeah. And, and that whole that whole umbrella of everything that goes into that, whether it's practicing your bow, whether it's the pouring out the feed, hey, I'm trying a new mineral, hey, I'm... Uh, planting this for a food plot. Hey, I need to spray my food plots. I need to bush hog my. All of that encompasses in you train that deer to die. You set the plan in motion from when he was a fawn to when he's six and a half years old. And, uh, you know, rather than just doing it like a, a weekly, you know, like, hey, I got a picture of this buck. I'm going to go hunting. I'm not saying that that ain't a good way. It's just I enjoy this tactic of knowing that every day I'm thinking of some way of getting a little closer to this deer and it's, it's so rewarding. And I revert back to that, what I was telling you, the pride factor of you got so much sweat equity in this animal and or raising it, you know, it's just like raising a prized cow or a praised, uh, a prized hog. You know, you're going to take it to the state fair. It's like this big old huge pumpkin is it's time to pick him. He's six and a half years old. So all that equates to, uh, you know, a very, very rewarding and a huge pride factor whenever you, uh, win that chess match over yeah. five six years yeah i can attest to that not necessarily on the lane management level but as uh, you know from a stra- just from a strategy level right yes uh, once once and like i said in 2016 when that really clicked for me um 
I, I, the thought processes change, right. On, on yes. how you are trying to do something or accomplish a killing a deer. And, and so you know, I, I got a kick out of that, but yeah. And, it, and, and to add to your point, meaning sometimes, you know, it, you know, if you don't have the resources or, you know, I, I'm just at a point in my life, I'm so blessed and so appreciative that I have the resources to be able to do that. And I realized that not everybody's got that, you know, you know, and, and, and I didn't have that for years. And that doesn't mean that if you don't do it the way I'm talking about, I'm just telling you how rewarding it has been or is for me, you know, at this stage in my life, but it was equally as uh, rewarding when I was having to drive halfway across the state in order to get to, uh, you know, a, a a management area just so that I could, uh, you know, hunt for, a, a day and a half that all I had off from work for Saturday and yeah. Sunday. So that there's all kinds of ways to scratch that itch. Um, I'm just saying it, it, at my point in life, or, you know, if you're wanting to take it to the, the umph level, that's a good way to, that's a good way to do it. And it's very rewarding. Yeah. Amen. I see, I see something like that, hopefully, because my goal ultimately is to be a landowner. Um, I feel like sometimes those goals just become out of reach every time I, I, you know, like land prices are going up and whatever. But, um, like you said, um, and one thing that I like to hear from guys like you is you never regretted it, right? You never regretted buying a piece of property. And I think what I have to do is just ultimately bite the bullet and just do it. And so, um, but I'm, 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 I'm probably an over planner. Like I want, I want to plan and plan and plan and plan. And it's just, I don't know, it is what it is, but I'm the same way. And I, and I held off buying for a long time. I was the same way I held off on buying for a long time, but man, I, I, I mean, I'm so glad, especially, especially us being in the, you know, the recreational property, uh, and the outdoor space, meaning, you know what you're getting, you know, don't, don't go out and spend too much money on it, but if it's priced right and within your budget, you'll find a way to make the payment on the property and then you'll, you'll enjoy it. You know, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not, not trying to talk people out of investing in 401ks or such like that, or your, you know, IRAs and, and retirement, but I'd much rather know that I've got something, my money in something that I'm going to get a day-to-day return on rather than it sitting in a bank somewhere and some guy with a pie on making money off yeah. of my money. Whereas this way, at least I'm out there to I can ride a four wheeler. I can find some uh, you know, I can mushroom hunt on, I can do all kinds of things on my land. You know, it's so, it's, it's so reward. I mean, I know it's been said a lot, but I can't reiterate it enough. I, it's, it's been nothing but positives and and joy in my life of, of owning a few properties. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Travis, man, I I really appreciate you taking time out of your day and hopping on this podcast and, and having good conversation with me, man. Um, Good luck with everything that we talked about today. Not just the hunting, but the the rehab, the uh, the future, the and also obviously what gets us all fired up is the the hunts. So good luck with all the in, uh, endeavors coming up. Oh man, thank you so much for having me on, and and I appreciate that. Yeah, we're. I just got the you know keep a positive attitude, slow and steady and adjust to the new normal. So we're, we're, we're going to be okay. I think, you know, as long as we keep the old, the cancer at bay and there's no sign of it, I think we'll be okay. So, uh, we can, we can live life without a leg. It it can be done. There's a lot of people that's doing it and doing it well. So, and I, and I appreciate again, you having me on, you, you got a great podcast and I've got to say that, um, 
you know, I do a lot of these, you know, usually two or three or four a week and, and I love doing them. Um, and, uh, you've got some really, really good questions. A great interview, man. I felt like I was sitting down with Howard Stern there for a little bit. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the nine finger Chronicles podcast is in the books. Huge shout out to Travis, man. Uh, I hope, I honestly, truly, deeply hope that your uh, health can uh, continues to get better. You're able to get out and, and do all the things that you once did and that uh, a full and fast recovery. So um, good vibes sent your way. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day. Let this episode be a reminder that, um, man, things can happen and that uh, a positive attitude can trump some of those things um, if, you really, if you really stay focused. And that's all I want to say about that. Just, uh, and I, I say this all the time, man, good vibes, right? So good vibes in, good vibes out. Huge shout out to Tethered Wasp, Hunt Stand, and Vortex. And uh, it's hunting season, so wear your safety harness and have a good day. Thank you.